Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Now, Kieran, uh, full disclosure here, I think we've known our listeners well enough to be honest with them that we had a very long pod on Monday. It's a long and interesting pod. Um, today's is is going to be shorter, for want of a better word, because for logis- <laughs> for, there isn't a better word than uh, opposite of long is definitely short. I'm trying to think. I should know more words than that, Kieran, but let's go with shorter. Um, uh, today's is going to be shorter because for logistical reasons, we are having to record just before the England game against the Czech Republic. So there's no point hanging about, Kieran. Let's just, let's just do yes, no answers and then... Get on with hoping that England, who for some reason have lost more players than Scotland due to Scottish <laughs> yes, players having this yes, <laughs> still strange. trying to still trying to work out how that happened. Basically, unless it was a Scottish players coming plan, like saying to Billy Gilmore, just go and go and have a see if you can kiss Harry Kane. Go on, just, just do, <laughs> get a couple of them knocked out. Um, so yes, we are we do have a <laughs> we do have a news pod for you, and there is news, and we will deal with all the news stories as fully as possible, uh, bearing in mind that it is now. 58 minutes before kickoff. So, Kieran, our first story. <laughs> <laughs> the organisers of the failed European Super League, uh, they really will not let this go. They believe a modified version of the competition will happen in the future. And, and to be fair, Kieran, I think you've said this right from the get-go, that somehow, in some way, shape or form, this competition will happen somewhere, even if it's over a weekend in July. But it's no surprise that three clubs, at least in the European Super League, are, are failing to bounce the inevitable. Uh, yes. Uh, li- listening to what we are hearing from uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus, um, they still think that this uh, this franchise is the uh, saviour of football. Yeah. Uh, and the comments that football cannot survive in its present form – well, it it can, and you know the, the talk that Generation Y are not interested in football sim- simply doesn't hold water when you do a proper analysis. What what these three clubs want is more money because they've been run poorly financially, and they saw Super League as, as a way of digging them out. However, um, if we take a look at the the formal position with regards to the Premier League clubs. They are still shareholders in the European Super League company, which has been set up in Spain. Um, And therefore, conceptually, they they are still members of the Super League, although um, they're certainly not doing anything to to, to promote it. Um, And the, the claim that there is no mechanism through which they can terminate the uh, super, super, league, super League relationship appears to be a bit of a sticking point. And I suspect this is a fantastic opportunity for anybody with a silver tongue because uh, what uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona are trying to do is to extract money from the other uh, me- other members of Super League um, as, as, as much as they can to... Uh, to, to cover up for the fact that those two clubs have been, uh, as I say, run run in a poor manner historically. Um, 
Arsenal have formally said, we are in the process of withdrawing from Super League, but we've got to go through the right hoops. And Manchester United have said that the the comments which are coming from the Super League people are deliberately to mislead fans and Manchester United want nothing more to do with Super League. So the noises from the Premier League clubs appear to be pretty unequivocal. Mm. Uh, But uh, there's, there's still a lot of politics taking place behind the scenes. And the Super League have applied to a court um, to determine whether or not UEFA and FIFA have the exclusive rights to organise football competitions. Um, They will try to cite precedents with other sports. Um, And if that is the case, then legally it, it does leave a door ajar. But uh, I think it would be suicide for the, the the English clubs in particular. There's no appetite from it in Germany um, to to even be to be associated with this in any way, shape, or form, um, given the hostility that that already exists. You know, I was thinking about those Generation Y comments the other night, um, last night. It's, we've already told people we're doing this on Tuesday. I don't think many people in Denmark would agree with the notion that. Uh, young people are not interested in actually attending football matches because that remarkable, remarkable atmosphere in Copenhagen seemed to me to have been produced mainly by young people, to be perfectly honest. And what a fantastic football occasion that was. Do you think, Kieran, there is a chance that Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus will almost have to end up, if necessary, playing against each other every year in a kind of bizarre home international type tournament, simply for their own sense of pride, basically? Or do you think they will, yeah, or, or will they look to maybe ask other clubs at a lower level to join a Super League? Um, I think clubs at a lower level would be lambs to the slaughter if, if they did join. They, they might get a, a bit of money, but they would become pariahs locally. Um, they would purely be doing it for money. And... Um, it, it would make a mockery of, of the competition. Right. So uh, I think that would be a struggle. There, there is still the outstanding uh, position of UEFA who appear to be going to have some form of sanction against these three clubs. They, they've, they've given the, the other nine clubs uh, uh, you know, fines, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, but nothing that the clubs can't cope with. Um if these three clubs want to remain in Super League, and there's nothing to stop them from doing that, of course, um, I can't see how they can play in both the Super League and the Champions League. Mm. So, so that would be very difficult. But if if, uh, if UEFA's sanctions are that um, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juve are going to be subject to a one- or two-year ban, then, then they could become sort of a, a glorified Harlem Globetrotters mm. playing each other two or three times a year just to bring in a bit of extra dosh. But Who's going to take those matches seriously? Mm. Eric Alonso. He would definitely take <laughs> yes. it. Up. I, 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 it, did, it did cross my mind that if Real, Barcelona and Juventus had to ask other clubs, it could be some consolation for Beliga Derby fans after a terrible couple of years if they found themselves invited into a Super League, um, <laughs> which Eric Alonso claims he owns the rights to. Um, 
Uh, speaking of Derby, I don't know if they're one of the clubs in question, but it says here on this script that Guy sent me, and I haven't had time to write out because we are now 48 minutes away from kickoff. Um, several championship clubs, several championship clubs are still working under a transfer embargo. Yes, that this this appears to be the case, and and we, and we did discuss this um, a month or two ago when the EFL appeared to put clubs into some form of embargo, and the reason for this is that they hadn't submitted their accounts, even though Rishi Sunak had said, as a result of COVID, you've got an extra three months to to submit your accounts. So yeah. uh, since then, I think uh, Huddersfield, Birmingham. Um, Coventry have all uh, addressed that and therefore they're out of the embargo. Um, one of the clubs that appears to be uh, still in the embargo is Reading. Um, right. Now, whether this is to do, well, this isn't to do with them not submitting their accounts, um, because if you take a look at Reading's accounts, they've got awful. They're just terrible. Mm. Um, we, we all talk, yeah, we, we talk quite often about uh, overpaying in terms of wages. Now, if that happens, in one year, you say, well, that's not too smart. But if we take Reading's um, uh, accounts for the last three years, they've generated total revenue of £53 million and paid out total wages of 113 Wow. So yeah, that's that's just consistently being bonkers. So uh, they, they appear to be under some form of embargo. Um, it is rumoured that Derby are also under uh, an embargo, but I think that's for non-submission. Um, what does the embargo mean? Again, we're not getting um, anything, and, and perhaps you know, perhaps I need to hold my hand up here. You know, the the, the EFL did did send out an olive branch uh, a few days ago. Perhaps yeah, you know, perhaps I should have you know, replied and said, well, could you clarify the position? Mm. Uh, so so, so uh, you know, uh, negative mark for me on this one. Um, but um, it looks as if the, the, the clubs that uh, are subject to these sanctions, they cannot sign players for fees. Um, they've effectively got to have you know, one out, one in. So they're looking at Bosmans, they're looking at Freeze, they're looking potentially at loan signings. And wages, and, and we, we won't be getting out a big violin for this, uh, wages appear to be capped at £600,000 per annum. Hmm. Um, when you're recruiting now, for some clubs in the championship, that that would be substantially less than the the, the average wage. Um, I know that we've seen uh, Stoke City have just sold a player uh, to one of the promoted clubs for around about fourteen million pounds. I think his name's Collins, and and they're recruiting somebody on, on a much lower deal. So uh, that's an issue. It could, however, cause quite significant problems for some of these clubs because trying to get a balanced squad. Uh, when you're under an embargo, is is quite challenging, uh, and I, I think that uh, Reading presently have four defenders uh, in their squad, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the other clubs are, are, are down to um, what, what's, what is sometimes referred to in football as the bare bones mm. um, in terms of squad size. Are, are these bonkers wages that Reading are paying still a hangover from their two seasons in the Premier League? Because I, otherwise, I can't see any excuse for why they would be doing so. Um. No, no, it's uh, you know, it, it, it's they're well beyond that. All, all of the players that are now in the squad have been recruited since then. Yeah. Um, they've they've had owners who, um, I think, tried. 
buying promotion. I don't think it's the appropriate way to describe it, but um, they were certainly keen to get promotion and they invested heavily in the squad with players on three and four year deals. Now, that that gives you a hangover. That's the problem. And uh, that, that hangover has, has lasted for longer than, than Reading would have quite liked. Um, based on my figures, the the average wage in Reading is around about eighteen grand a week. Um, yeah, and that and that's a lot for a club that hasn't really uh, troubled the scorers significantly. But in in twenty eighteen, they spent nineteen million pounds on players last season. You know, in twenty twenty, they spent another sixteen. Yet they they have certainly invested in talent. It's just it's it's not turned into results. Well, also <clears throat> traditionally, I mean, when they've been in the Premier League, they they sell out every week, of course, but they they struggle to fill that stadium in the Championship. So they they can't even argue that they're able to pay some of the wages through gate money, can they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I remember going to uh, Elm Park to, oh God, to, see, was to see a match, um, and it, that was actually quite a good atmosphere. Mm. Um, but they're there's something not quite right about the Majeski in terms of generating noise, and but yeah, perhaps that reflects on on crowds which which therefore tend to have fallen. Certainly, in terms of their match day income in 2017, it was 9.7 million pounds. In 2020, yes, there was a there was a COVID impact towards the end of the season, but it was down to 3.6. So yeah, a very significant fall in uh, in the volume of ticket sales. Um, which uh, which hits clubs in the championship that much harder, especially once you, you've you've run out of your parachute payments, because you you then become far more reliant upon the turnstiles to to generate the money to to cover the costs. Yeah, that jazz club they've got generates a lot of noise. None of it you want to listen to, but oh, <laughs> I always think you're in a hiding to nothing as a football club if you get a new stadium that's got a jazz club in it. It's, never mind. That's that's for another pod. I- well, I always think of the fast show as soon as you say jazz club, though. <laughs> um, there's another game taking place tonight, Kieran, involving Scotland playing Croatia. And SPFL clubs have taken out £25 million worth of loans from the Scottish government. Is this across the entire league? Um, now, this is in respect of the the SPFL. Um, they're they're pretty generous loans. They're uh, they're twenty year term loans, okay. interest free, um, and repayments don't start until twenty twenty two. So they they are designed to give clubs breathing space. Um, they're not uh, flat amounts. I think Rangers have taken out three point two million. One of the other clubs has taken out a bit more than three. Um, Celtic haven't taken any at all, but Celtic did have quite a lot of cash in the bank, um, and as you can imagine, that has resulted in a bit of uh, a bit of bifters uh, between both sets of fans yeah, of uh, on, on social media. Um, but if we take a look at the other divisions, uh, to be fair to the Scottish government, they've given grants as opposed to loans: five hundred thousand pounds for clubs in the Championship, one hundred and fifty in League One, one hundred k in League Two. So, so that is that's actually quite generous. Um, so, so the Scottish government is uh, is trying to support uh, football as, as, as a sport. Um, the, the 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 UK government, the English government, has has not given uh, that type of support to professional football because it said you, you need to sort out, you know, you get your own house in order, 
pointing to to the level of of uh, yeah. revenue which is generated in the Premier League, um, and th- therefore, of course, in the Premier League, um, it gave out grants to clubs in leagues one and two, and has guaranteed loans for Championship clubs. Yeah, and I imagine £100,000 for a League 2 club in Scotland is a substantial amount of weight off the shoulders, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, I've got a huge amount of admiration for um, the the lower league clubs in, in Scottish football because they almost universally uh, set themselves tough budgets and, and try mm. to live within their means. So... Um, they they weren't in as precarious a position going into COVID um, as some of the clubs in England because uh, if if you've got poor finances that means that you are very poorly prepared for any potential economic shock um, and Scottish clubs uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for the way that they 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 they, they keep within their limits. I had one of the happiest days of my football watching career: Cowden Beef versus Queen of the South. It's fantastic. I love Scottish football. This story, Kieran, uh, is one that we have been keeping an eye on, but it's one that's taking quite a sinister turn because seven people have now been charged with electoral offences by police investigating that missing £10.25 million loan to Northampton Town Football Club. Now, you've you've been saying for a long, long time that there was something suspicious. Have you got a hamster going around on a wheel in the back of your oh, head? Finley's got a new squeaky hamster. You know, it's, uh, it's a squeaky armadillo. <laughs> Of course it is. What what else would a dog in Sussex have other than a squeaky armadillo? He's he's so he's, he's, so he's very very happy. He's, he's squeaking it in rhythm as well. So <laughs> <laughs> he's he cross because I mentioned jazz and he's now proving he's being jazz dog. Um, <laughs> yes, this story, Kieran. You you thought you know, in your water and by the pricking of your thumbs some time ago that there was something wrong going on here, and it. I mean, this is. Clearly, serious stuff going down here, Kira, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the police investigation into um, what's been happening at Northampton Town, and for people not familiar with the story, um, many years ago, Northampton Council gave a £10.25 million loan for stadium development. Um, and they thought it, yeah, they gave that money, they fought in good faith. Um, and then a couple of years later, the contractor said, uh, we've not been paid. And the council said, we should have been paid. We, we, we gave the money to the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that money has mysteriously disappeared. And um, some of the people involved, so we, we've got Anthony Cardozo. He's been declared bankrupt. Um, Howard Grossman has had a 10-year ban from any involvement uh, being on the board of a company. So these are these are pretty b- b- bad uh, sort of civil issues. Mm. Um, the council has spent £2.3 million on an investigation trying to find out what went wrong. Um, so, And what went wrong was they didn't do any checks and balances. Yeah, if, if somebody walks up to you and says, give us a load of money, and you give them a load of money – to a certain extent, more for you. So then we're saying, well, well, how did this get through the system? And the latest charges are in respect of uh, political donations to Northampton South Conservative Association. Now, 
people are perfectly entitled to give donations to political parties. Mm-hmm. However, the, if you give more than £500, you have to uh, give uh, your full details as, as to your background. So um, you know, political donations take place all the time from, from a variety of sources. And it looks as if these donations could not be traced to the actual donors. So we now have these these people being charged by Northamptonshire Police. Um, it, it doesn't, uh, that clearly doesn't reflect well on the people involved. Quite working out the links to the £10.25 million loan isn't clear, uh, but uh, it, there does appear to be a sort of a, a big pot um, of... Uh, of, of concern swirling around mm. um, and how it's uh, how it's directly linked to the loans. We will find out in due course, we hope, although this, I think, has still got, got legs. The council have said now said um, the total losses to the council uh, are £17 million. It's just not just the loan and the investigation, but the lost interest um, on on the loans itself, and of course the the policing costs, and, it, and it's just swallowing up more and more of the public purse at a time when when local government authorities um, are are short of dosh. And of course, there's always that worry for Northampton fans, even though they were the people that had no involvement whatsoever in taking out this ten point two five million loan. They could end up being the people that are punished for it by point deductions or what or whatever else, and. That leads us to Swindon Town and their, I have to say, I admire their increasingly bolshy approach. Uh, Swindon Town's official supporters club says it will no longer directly support the club financially until either communication from owner Lee Power begins or an alternative party takes over. Now, are they, by saying they will no longer directly support the club financially, are they saying they will no longer go to games or is it, uh, is there more impact than that they could have? No, I, I think it's more in the case of uh, holding functions, giving short-term loans, right. uh, from what I can make out. Um, however, um, there are, there are a, a lot of people within the Swindon Town fan base who are taking the fan power, not Lee power approach yeah. and effectively uh, replicating w- what, what we saw at Blackpool Football Club where they had a boycott of the club, um, there are still outstanding issues with regards to season ticket rate refunds for 2020-21. Lee Power is, is has not been forthcoming with regards to that. So fans don't know where they stand in terms of the money that's due back to them. Should they be paying for a season ticket for 21-22? Um, it, it's, it's just very poor all round. And at the same time, there is an ongoing high court case Mm-hmm. Um, in involving um, a guy called Clem Morfuni, uh, and he he presently owns what we can make out. I think he owns fifteen percent of Swindon, and he was trying to get Lee Power to to sell him the remainder. Um, and it looks as if uh, somebody has has dropped a clangor uh, in the Lee Power camp, um, and uh, Clem Morfuni. Uh, Put in an offer for the other eighty-five percent, or the, the other, yeah, the other eighty-five percent of the shares, and the judge appeared to say, um, "Well, that offer cannot necessarily be refused." So um, we're awaiting to see developments, and certainly, we, yeah, we've got lots of friends at Swindon, and they are keeping us up to date yeah. uh, with this as much as possible. So 
Lee Power has made an error, um, which could have opened the door to a takeover. Whether that can be forced through could lead to ex- more legal costs um, uh, to, to to get this actioned. Um, but there, there certainly are are. The, the, the prospects of changes afoot, and if that is the case, you know, then I'm sure the supporters club will be only too glad. The um, Glenn Morfuni, he, he's uh, he's you know, he, he's spoken to to the local press, he, he's spoken to, to local fan groups. Uh, he he does appear to be a person who wants to engage, and it, it doesn't matter who you are in football if if you don't engage, if, if you if you take a uh, you know arm's length uh, approach two fans, that can come back to bite you. You've only got to look at what's happened with the Glazers and Manchester United, with Daniel Levy and uh, and Spurs fans, that they were prepared to tolerate so much, but you make one big mistake and, and, and you're, in, you're in it up to, your, up to your elbows. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion... You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football, and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. If Lee Power had sent a little tweet this time last year, even in the middle of the pandemic, if he said, look, we can't meet for obvious reasons, but ask me some questions and I'll do my utmost to answer you them honestly, even if you don't like the answer, probably wouldn't be having this discussion now. And it, it, There are very few other businesses where owners have such contempt for what basically are customers. I hate the phrase. I used to hate the way that Simon Jordan referred to Palace fans as customers. But if you want to treat fans as customers, then treat them the way any other business would treat their customers. Answer their concerns, answer their complaints. Don't ignore them. Yeah. Or just and because then fans will will get angry and fans will put words in your mouth and then fans will want somebody else to take over the club. It's like he's he seems to be getting everything he deserves, and it would have been very easy to um, to avoid that basically. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes vanity and ego uh, override common sense, and yeah. that appears to be what's happened here. 
Yeah, that, it's been a lot of times in my life from Valentin Ego have over overran common sense. <laughs> just just sometimes for half an hour, Valentin Ego buys you a lot of fun and common sense can kick in afterwards. Uh, you may have noticed I, <laughs> I, um, I slowed down towards the end of that speech about Lee Power. Uh, that's because the cat came in and uh, walked over the keyboard causing a completely different email to come up, which had nothing to do. <laughs> I, really, I really can't ask you the next thing that was on that email. Um, it's back. Hurrah. Uh, 40 minutes till kickoff time. Uh, Barcelona, um, we talked the other day in relation to a question that we had about Barcelona and Real Madrid's finances and whether fans should be worried. And you said no. Um, and I take it that's still the case. But they've taken out a 525 million euro loan to help make payments for past transfers and pay player wages. Um, that's interesting because we've had several questions over the last year from people who support clubs that Barcelona haven't paid money for when they bought players in. So are, are they being forced to do this by UEFA, Kieran, or are they seeing the light and deciding to do the decent thing? Um, I, I think this is as much to do with uh, pressure from banks rather than UEFA. Oh, okay. What's happened with Barcelona is it is a uh, it, it is a club that generates huge amounts of money through the stadium itself because uh, because it is so iconic. You know, first of all, you know when when they have a home match, you're you're generating four to five million euro at a piece. Yeah. Uh, it's got the museum, it's got the conference center, it's got lots and lots of ways of of bringing in cash, and of course, all of that has been unable to proceed as a result of the pandemic. But Barcelona were not run well prior to the pandemic and um their, their their new president has 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 agreed with that and the finance director has said yeah we yeah, we got to hold our hands up things weren't great before one but of course yeah that allows them to blame the previous management so that that in itself is is not unusual um uh, barcelona had taken out some short term bank loans and they were reaching the point at which um, payment was due, so therefore they've they've got into an agreement with with Goldman Sachs um, to take out this long term loan. It's a fifteen year loan at three percent. So so what this will do, it will give them some breathing space. It will allow them to to settle some of their football debts because if you if you have outstanding football debts, then potentially they could have been subject to sanction from UEFA. So I think that issue could now be could now be dealt with um, as well as dealing with some of the um, effectively the credit card debts that they were running up. Um, and the the other thing which they need to address is of course their wage bill. Um, and and that they they seem to be trying to recruit players on on uh, free transfers. Um, but they, they do have a lot of Big money players, um, yeah, and we're recording this on the on what the twenty second of June. Uh, in eight days' time, uh, Lionel Messi's contract expires, and nobody knows what's happening. Mm. And, and you know that that's a contract which, you know, the total cost is is somewhere in the region of sixty to eighty million a year. Yeah, a couple of seasons ago, uh, a friend in one of my Palace WhatsApp groups went to Barcelona and sent us photographs of the Barcelona trophy room. It took 15 photographs to get the entire trophy room in. And then three days later, he went to Sellers Park and he sent us a photo of the Palace trophy cabinet, which wouldn't have even taken one photograph, except he got a bloke to stand either side to take <laughs> up the whole to take up the whole picture. <laughs> it's slightly embarrassing. Um, there are some strange goings on, Kieran, with an Asian gambling company called HTH, 
which appears to be claiming to be an official Euro 2020 partner, um, much to the surprise of uh, UEFA and Euro 2020 and all the other partners. Yes, um, and uh, uh, big thanks here to um, some of our Price of Football listeners because they they put me on to this story. Um, They know who they are, so uh, our our thanks go to you. Um, So there there is this company called uh, Hua Ti Hui. Apologies for mispronunciation. Um, And Hua Ti Hui are now Manchester United's official gambling partner for which they will have paid a significant amount of money. Um, but there was no big announcement from they're, Manchester sorry, United. Sorry, they're an official gambling partner in the Far East or in a particular company? Uh, no, just... I think it's the official global gambling oh, really? partner. Oh, okay, right, okay. Um, so uh, this, this seemed a bit strange because no, you know, normally Manchester United uh, are, are very, very good uh, at, uh, at announcements. And uh, pre- their prior uh, global gambling partner was a company called Yabo. Um, and then when you look into this, uh, if you go to the Manchester United website and you click through the links to HTH's uh, website, it says website under construction. Now, that's the type of thing that I associated with 1995 and the internet <laughs> starting up. Yeah. Uh, because how long does it take to put up a website? It, it takes, you know, two or three days. So, that that seemed very odd, and then um, I, I I got in conversation with uh, say some some of our friends um, in in the Far East, and uh, they said, "Well, have you have you seen this?" And, and they sent us a picture of uh, a picture of Harry Kane and the sort of the Euro twenty twenty uh, logo, uh, which appeared to infer that Hua are uh, some form of sponsor of the, the Euro 2020 event. But if you go onto the uh, UEFA website, nothing to be seen. Hmm. So um, it, it, I think it's what's referred to as a, as a white label um, gambling organization. So we're not quite sure where it's based. Uh, there has been talk about perhaps being in the Philippines. Um, and, and the advantage of this is that the gambling commission they 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 can't get the, got their hands on it directly um they've also sponsored it would appear Wolfsburg Lille and Milan so right. you might think well hold on you know this company clearly is a lot of money um so is there anything to, to worry about and i don't think there's, there's anything to worry about i'm sure that sure they paid these people but um you then start to do some more research and a couple of years ago there was a company called um 1x bet which again uh, based based in the far east and it was the sponsors of uh, gambling or well, official gambling partner of spurs chelsea and liverpool but then all three clubs terminated the deal because it turned out that it was an unlicensed gambling organization oh, right. and you know, unlicensed gambling organisations. You know, my uncle Terry might say <laughs> have ways of getting money to families, yeah. um, and I'll say no more than that. Um, so it's just difficult to work out what is taking place. Um, I did drop a line to United. Not, not the. They, they said they'll get back. They, they'll take a look at this. Um, so it. it it just makes you feel a little bit uneasy. And, and I'm also surprised at United, who are so professional in yeah. the dealings with their commercial partners, that 
they would let themselves get into this situation, which which could turn out, it could be turn out to be fine, it, but it could also turn out to be a bit messy as well. Yes, what was that phrase you used recently? Blinded by the check, was it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and um, Uncle Terry was a, a one-man unlicensed gambling operation, <laughs> I understand, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, um, apart from when money had to be collected, where sometimes he brought a couple of his mates around to, to help him. Yeah, well, he was a very fastidious man. Uh, yes. He didn't want to get his gloves dirty, did he? Um, <laughs> and you, you say it takes two or three days to put a website up. You did, yeah, okay, that's interesting. I, I've been asking Ed to finish mine since before lockdown. He says it takes <laughs> he says it takes months, Dad. It'll, it'll, just give me give me got to get the pictures right. Um, speaking of UEFA, our last two stories uh, are about UEFA, which is uh, Jermaine, really, because we're about to finish to get off and watch the game. Uh, UEFA, thank the good Lord, have dropped a planned investigation into Germany captain Manuel Neuer wearing a rainbow armband during his size Euro twenty twenty matches. Um. Yes, uh, and, and this is a strange one, you know, because um, you know some, some we do have the rainbow laces campaign, mm-hmm. and you know we've seen the likes of uh, Jordan Henderson, Joey Barton, many other players sort of uh, you know standing up for uh, homophobic issues, uh, which have historically uh, surrounded the game at times. Um, and you know, I, you know, I'll hold my hand up here. I'm a Brighton fan. We are known for having a, a big uh, gay population in Brighton. And, and going to away games at times can be uh, a bit unpleasant. Uh, yeah. you know, having, having to put up with yeah, of course. Um, somewhat tedious chants, uh, you know, and which the t- tedious comments um, I, I, can, I can cheerfully ignore. Yeah. Uh, because if, if somebody says, yeah, we can hold you, we can see you holding hands. Uh, yeah, my standard replies: you're just bi curious, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, take 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 it like that. Um, but uh, Manuel Neuer decided to to wear the armband. Uh, it is Pride Month, and and that's great. You know, highlighting the issue. Um, I, I know I've just been working on a on a documentary with one of the broadcasters where we've been looking at the issue of uh, you know, what happened to, to Justin Fashionu mm. um, in terms of his career and, and how, how he, uh, you know, he tragically ended up taking his life and, and he, uh, you know, he, he used to play for Brighton. He used to actually come along and coach our, our supporters club. And, and he was just a fantastic bloke. Yeah. He was, he, he was friendly. He was engaging. He was so supportive, you know, and he, mm. and he, 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 he made us better footballers. Mm. So, um, so, you know, there, there are issues of that nature to have to deal with. Um, UEFA initially said, well, we're not happy about this and then changed their minds. And then today, and we're recording this on Tuesday, the, 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 the mayor of, uh, Munich, Said that we want to write, we want to light up the uh, Alliance Arena in the rainbow colours, mm. and UEFA said, uh, "No, you can't do that because you're playing Hungary," and uh, it, Hungary's president Orban mm. has just brought in legislation where uh, any mention of uh, people being gay uh, is is now banned mm. in education. Uh, is banned in all books and all, in all teaching. So uh, it, it does appear to be uh, not only autocratic, but also uh, you know, a, a bigoted dinosaur. Mm. So uh, UEFA has uh, has uh, prevented this from taking place. It is suggested that uh, they, they light up the stadium on another date because what the, what the uh, Munich uh, 
mayor is suggesting, and I think it's uh, Dieter Reiter, um, is uh, is a political uh, reaction to to what's been happening in Hungary. And at the same time, UEFA is investigating Hungary for homophobic chants um, in in the matches which have taken place in Budapest to date. And we've also seen. Uh, Mexico is being forced to play its next two games behind closed doors because of homophobic uh, behaviour by fans. So, you know, there's been so much progress in many aspects of football, but this one seems to uh, have come come to an end you know, in, in a pretty poor manner. Which leads me directly onto our last story. And I, I want to add a financial aspect to this story because it's what we're about, Kieran. But we saw, well, we heard the announcement today that there will be 60 or 65,000 people at Wembley uh, for the final, for the semifinals as well, possibly. Um, but just over the weekend, Kieran, a couple of days ago, we saw UEFA threatening to take the semifinal and the final away from Wembley um, if the UEFA members attending the games were made to go into any form of quarantine and saying that those games would go to Hungary, which is a country, as Ali pointed out, and as you said, has just recently publicly banned schools from talking about homosexuality. That wouldn't have been a good look from UEFA as far as I'm concerned. But also what interests me financially is what sort of compensation would UEFA, if UEFA were to turn around and say to Wembley, you're not having a semi-final or a quarter-final, whatever it is, and you're not having the final, would the FA lose out of that or would UEFA have had to uh, compensate them? I think UEFA would have had to compensate them because um, – there, there is no rational reason for the matches not taking place at Wembley. Mm. The FA has agreed to pay a hosting fee, um, so clearly that would have had to have been refunded. Um, and I think there has been a bit of common sense uh, taking place here as far as UEFA is concerned, because if you take a look at the, the non-British nations uh, remaining in the tournament, um, only Turkey were on the red list, and, and Turkey had been knocked out. Yeah. I've got Turkey in in, in my sweep, so uh, that, well that was almost guaranteed. <laughs> um, so, what what people can do is, is I think the, the 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 quarantine relation, the quarantine rules um, for for countries on the amber list are are slightly more relaxed. So we should be able to bring people in. Um, but uh, I think one of the sticking points was. The UEFA family, mm. um, broadcasters and commercial partners, two and a half thousand of them. I know. Yeah, that's that. You know, I've, I've, I've had a few partners. I'll, I'll rephrase that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although you don't need to, Kieran, because both sentences are true in different ways. <laughs> yes. Um, so so it, it does seem an awful lot of, of people who are on the, uh, on the gravy train here um get getting tickets for the the semi-finals and the final but it is great that potentially 60 to 65,000 people yeah. can attend um and what what is a little bit uh, strange uh, is that UEFA have made it clear that uh, at least a thousand supporters from each of the teams that make up the last four um are going to attend, which which is which is great, so so that fans can travel to matches, which which mm. I think is fantastic. Um, you know, clearly there will be implications in terms of uh, quarantine and you know, public health is is important, but uh, it, it's two steps forward, one step back as always. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I spoke to a journalist about this threat from UEFA to take the final away from England. And he said, I 100% guarantee it won't happen. The FA and the government will cave in because Boris Johnson has made a manifesto commitment to hosting the 2030 World Cup in the UK. And he won't run the risk, A, of pissing UEFA off at this stage of the game, and B, he'll want to be out there shaking hands with as many UEFA officials as possible in, in an attempt to get that uh, tournament to this country. Yeah, well, I hope he sanitises before and after. I don't think, even before the pandemic, I think most people who meet Boris Johnson would hope that, Kieran, to be perfectly honest, uh, <laughs> especially the females. Um, and, and here we are, Kieran, look, just 20 minutes away from kickoff. I'm genuinely excited. If it gets anywhere near that Denmark game, I would just so, I genuinely got emotional uh, yeah. after yeah, that Denmark game. It, it, was, it was it was a reminder of why we love football. Yes. And, and, and why, we've not had too many of those yeah. in the tournament. And why it needs fans. Although yeah. Ali did rather unfairly point out, as I said in the tweet, that I've drunk enough lager in my life to make me at least 10% Danish. So <laughs> uh, it's one of those comments your wife makes when you have to you have to just acknowledge it and go, yeah, it's funny and also sadly terribly true. If you would like to make a small monthly contribution to our pod, then that would be very kind of you. And you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash price of football. Our next pod on Monday is our questions pod. And if you have any questions you like answered on the show, then email us questions at price of football.com. And in the meantime, we'll try and get you a picture of Findlay uh, playing music on his new squeaky armadillo. <laughs> squeaky armadillo. What sort of shop in Sussex sells squeaky armadillos? Oh, well, you, you look hard enough, Kevin. You're, 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 it's amazing what you can find. You didn't have to. You don't even have to look hard in Sussex. That's the problem. <laughs> you can't move in the lanes in Brighton for shops selling squeaky armadillos. Antique squeaky armadillos, only £95. Ooh, <laughs> says the Baroness. That sounds nice. <laughs> I shall hand you over to Kira and say our normal goodbye. <laughs> right. Well, thanks, folks, for all your, all your feedback. Um, and remember, the podcast will always be free as long as Kevin and I are associated with it. Absolutely, um, yes. So, um, and one other thing to to point out, uh, we, we do have some uh, merchandise. If ever you fancy uh, a Price of Football t-shirt, um, yeah, they are still available. Uh, all the mugs have gone. Um, but uh, I've, I've got one of the T-shirts, and actually they're, they're, they're better than I thought they were going to be. Oh, so nice. uh, you're more than welcome to support the show in any way, shape, or form. Uh, for Patreon, it can be as little as £1 a month, or just give us a five-star review. Say something nice about us on the on that Apple uh, on that Apple icon, on the podcast item, and, and that helps us in the charts, and, and, and you're helping, and you'll always have us for free. So don't worry about uh, any rumours to the contrary. Mm. Absolutely. And I got uh, a really nice Fresh Prince of Hilaire t-shirt yesterday, which is a lovely picture of Vince on the front. It's very nice. Um, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Enjoy your game tonight with your English, Scottish, Croatian or from the Czech Republic. Yeah, the, the Baroness is from Edinburgh, so I'll have to behave myself. Of course. Good luck, Baroness and Finley. <laughs> Bye. I'm for the